Turn with me in your Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I have, um, remember that uh, coming here in just uh, two weeks, we will be going back to house to house, so I know we're looking forward to that. Um, it's two different types of uh, midweek services. Um, here, it's kind of lecture format. You know, we talk and have discussions. We do have discussions sometimes afterwards, and, but primarily I'm teaching. Uh, but that is, a, that is a time for everybody to get involved and share and, and minister to one another. So um, that is always a great time. Make sure that, uh, that you are ready for that and looking forward to that. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, I will start at verse 12. I'm going to do something similar to what I did last week. I felt like that went really well and had a lot of great feedback about it. So um, we're going to do something similar to that tonight. And we're going to have some discussion. We're going to kind of process through, through some things. It says here in chapter 12, for we wrestle not. Everybody say wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We, uh, many times falsely feel like um, God's going to fight my battles. Um, he will fight the battles that he's supposed to fight, but we will definitely be in some battles. So whenever you hear that we wrestle not, don't think that we can stop there and say we wrestle not. Um, all he's doing is quantifying where our battle is. We don't wrestle here. But we do wrestle here. How many of you found that with every, um, every new territory you want to take, there's some kind of battle? Um, this church is in the midst of taking some new ground. <clears throat> this church is in the midst of taking some territories that we've never taken before. We're stepping into some areas that, that I believe we're going to get some traction in and start to see the, the growth, the expansion, the influence in the spirit world that, that we are designed to have. But what we will have to do is make sure we know where to fight. And the fight is not against other people. Um, in fact, how many of you have found that any time, like at the beginning of the year or any time we go to take new territory, that you have experienced some of these battles? Now, what that'll look like is um, you decide you're going to win your neighbor and something's going to happen to your finances. Um, somebody at work is going to get on your very last nerve. And I don't know how many nerves we have in the human body. But I know some people have the unique ability to find the last one and just jump all over it. 
It may be a relationship problem. It may be a health situation. All these things are seemingly natural. In fact, we find that when Peter was in the midst of his miracle, um, he went out and said, Lord, bid me to come. And he goes out and steps on the water, and Jesus says, well, come. And he goes out and gets on the water. And he's getting out there where, the, where his miracle, where he was going to experience something that nobody had ever experienced before. In the midst of that, we don't see where any ghost, any goblin, any spirit, any devil came over and did warfare against him. What we see is that the winds and the waves got his attention. Uh, can I just remind you that he was a fisherman? That was not anything uncommon to Peter. It was something that he was used to, but yet it did get his attention. So I'm issuing you tonight, uh, um, not a warning, I'm, I'm issuing you help for you to understand that anytime you want to take a step with God, be expecting something that's cloaked in the natural Something that's disguised in the natural. Something that's going to take your time, your effort, your energy. It's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to cost you something to stay in the fight. But make no mistake about it, the fight will be in the spirit. The fight will be the, 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 the temptation that is, is overwhelming, that, that happens during that time frame, the the, 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 the works of the flesh, I'll talk about if we get to there, if we get there, the works of the flesh will start to manifest themselves and these things will start to, 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 to come into play. And it's really to keep you from being in that spiritual dimension that God has called you to be in. For you to walk in that authority and that unction that you're supposed to walk in and all of a sudden you get distracted and now you're angry at somebody or now your finances are, are under attack or something's going on and really it is a spiritual thing that you're really fighting against. And in fact, it's not natural at all. It manifests itself in the natural I haven't done any coyote hunting or trapping, but I've read, I was doing quite a bit of research a few years ago. And it's a pretty in depth process if you're going to trap coyotes. Um, just just an, it, it, as a quick deal, the, the guys that are good at it, the guys that, that catch a lot of them, now not just guys that go out and hunt them and shoot them, but the guys that, that, that trap them, it starts at home. They, they will boil their traps. And get all the scent off of them. And, and they'll take those that they've gotten all the scent off of and they'll store them in bags. And, and, and the guys before they leave the truck will put rubber boots on because they don't want any scent from the sweat of their shoes or anything to touch any leaf or anything. And, and, they, and they will take this, this trap in these bags and they'll go out there with rubber boots on and rubber gloves. And they'll go out to the field way away from the truck and they will... They will go there and they will dig out, they will clean out a spot and they will bed these things in. And bedding that in means that they will, they will kind of cut grooves at the outline of this trap and they will sit it in there real good and they'll, and they'll put a little piece of chain and they'll put some cross sticks in the ground to make sure that thing is anchored to the ground. So they want to make sure that once you're in the trap that you don't get out of it and you can't drag it away. 
And then they'll, 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 they'll put the trap down and they'll make sure it, it opens and closes good and make sure it's working properly. And then, and then what they'll do is they'll, 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 they'll put some bait around it, something that will attract them, whether it's a female or a male scent or whether it's a food scent or they'll take a little piece of fur or something that they had from something maybe they killed earlier in the season and they'll have some fur there so it looks like something but but then what they'll do is they'll take a screen with some dirt the dirt is in the area they don't bring other dirt with them because that would be out of place so they take what looks natural what should be there and the and the dirt that they use to put to bed in that trap they will put a screen over top of it and they'll shake it so it's a nice light coat of dirt on top of it and around it. And then they'll cover it with leaves to where you can't even tell anybody was there and they'll take their equipment and their rubber boots and they'll walk back out of there like nothing has ever happened. That's how you trap something. I've seen more Christians trapped spiritually by seemingly, seemingly natural things. Somebody got on somebody's nerves, and I can't even stand to go to church with them. Some money situation. Don't know how they're spending it or don't know what's happening with money or I wanted this and this happened, just money issues. It, it, could be a, it could be a female male problem. I've seen ministers wrecked because they didn't see the enemy presenting themselves as an extramarital relationship. It seemed very natural, not getting attention at home, things are rough. Somebody else gets me, they understand me, and just wreck a church. Seemingly natural. But was there something in the spirit going on behind that? I've seen very few of those relationships last, by the way. My father-in-law used to say this to people that, that would uh, decide to make other plans he would say this, he would say, and this is his experience, he said, whatever, some, whatever somebody leaves the Lord for, whatever person or whatever thing somebody leaves the Lord for, he personally never saw them retain it. You leave the Lord for money, probably not going to keep it. You leave your, the, the, the Lord or, or your ministry for a woman, probably not going to keep that relationship. Whatever that thing is, you leave the Lord for, you'll almost never retain it. So we have to understand that there's a very real fight going on. And we have to equip ourselves for it. We have to understand, we have to be looking for it. We have to be prepared for it. We have to see. And that's why it's, it's not uncommon that at the first of the year, when we go into our time of prayer and fasting, I get a lot more phone calls. There's a lot more activity. There's a lot more things going on. Well, it seems like it's just natural. It's sickness. It's illness. It's this. It's, it's financial problems. It's this. Is it? 
Or is it those things where there's a very real enemy that's coming against the people of God that are saying, this year is going to be different for me. This year, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. This year, I want to try to win somebody. This year, I'm going to do this. It, when, when you go to try to reach somebody and try to win somebody to the Lord, you will always need to prepare for resistance. Because there is a fight. And in these fights, we do wrestle against these principalities and against powers, and I won't go into what all these are um, tonight, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places, um, but we do, have to, we do have to put on the armor of God, and we do have to realize that we do have to fight, not against each other, not against the thing, not against the person, but we have to realize there's a very real war going on. I want to I uh, shift gears here just a little bit. Uh, I now want to turn to Galatians chapter 5. So the first thing I want to do tonight is just help us to understand that, that we do have to wrestle. We do have to fight. There is a struggle. There is a battle. And uh, again, I said this last week, and I'll repeat it, but I have prayed that the, that the Lord would help me to see um, if he thinks I can handle it, th that I would begin to see what's behind things. There was one particular time when uh, my wife and I worked together before we were married, and we worked at a medical research company together, and I was on a lengthy fast um, one time, and a, and a lady came up and put some documents on my, on my desk and, and told me some something about the work, and just instantly, and, and it wasn't a big deal, but just instantly, I, I felt uh, an impression that she's lying to me, and it was like this awakening, this, this feeling of, I, I didn't really care, it wasn't even anything that was personally important to me. But it's like God was starting to like open up. Now, I'm not talking about being suspicious of everybody. I'm not talking about every time you get an emotion or a thought, you can say, the Lord told me, the Lord showed me. I don't, I don't really care for it when every time somebody gets a feeling or a thought or an emotion, it's the Lord. If you're walking in and it really is the Lord, that's one thing. But even at that, you don't have to say every time the Lord tells you something. Sometimes it's for you. Every time I feel led to pray for somebody, it doesn't mean I'm supposed to get out of my seat right then and go do it. It means God has given me an impression. Now, when, when God tells me something, then I have to discern, okay, God, I feel like you're telling me something. What do I do with it? That's the first question. What do I do with it? Do I keep it to myself? Do I just know how to pray? Do I know how to intercede? Do I talk to them about it? Do I talk to them right now? Do I talk to them after service? Will you tell me the right time to talk to them? And that's the second question. Not only what am I supposed to do with it, but when? There's a lot of people that get an impression, and they'll just, just, just wade right into it right on the spot. And that's not wise either. So it's discerning what the Lord is doing. And in this particular case, I felt like she was lying to me. And I felt like what the Lord was showing to me is, is I want to start to lead you into a measure of discernment to when things are happening, you're going to know what's behind that. You're going to know what to do with it. You're, you're going to know how to respond to it. And so I want to really walk in the spirit and not just in the flesh. 
Galatians 5. Now, I'm going to read this out of the NIV. If you can pull it up in the NIV back there, I'd appreciate it. I normally go King James, but because we're getting into some words here, I want to, I want to go into the NIV tonight and begin to look at this. Because here's some things, too, that, that although we wrestle some things in the spirit world, we, we wrestle some things that seem to be natural. We have to realize that behind those things are supernatural things. But I also want us to understand that there are some things that are natural that you don't even need a devil to help you with. So let's read. So let's read this as we go to um, Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. Paul says to the church there, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There are things in you and me that we have to always continue to tamp down. Because they can rise back up. Well, I don't, I don't have that temptation anymore. I don't, I, don't, I don't deal with that anymore. Well, as long as you're breathing, just don't think that you've got it all crucified. Don't think that every area of your life is just crucified all the time. Because that's when the sucker punch comes. And, and a good fighter has a lot of different moves. He just doesn't have just a right cross or a right hook. He's got uppercuts. He's got body blows. He's got, he's got all kinds of moves. And he's just waiting for his moment. So we have to understand this, that, that, that if we're going to walk by the Spirit, we always have to be ready and not feel like I'm untouchable. Pastors fall. Men of God fall trustees fall people that have been serving God for decades fall <clears throat> we've had family we've had family members that have served God for decades that just stopped going to church and just and we just go how in the world how, how does this happen how does somebody that their whole life during the most trying times of their life how many of you would admit that probably your teenage and young adult life was the most trying times of you having to really gut it out and serve the Lord it, it was for me so you should be past a lot of those areas. You've settled a lot of things in your life. But when you watch somebody step away from the Lord in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, it just blows my mind. It just shows though that you have to be diligent. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So again, this is, this is the, the flesh uh, wishes it could be the spirit. It wishes it could live forever. It wishes it didn't get old. It wishes its knees didn't hurt. It, it wishes it didn't get back pains, and, and it wishes it didn't get older. But the Spirit wishes that you would take care of its, the Spirit guy as good as you, you, you dote on yourself and give your flesh everything it wants, even, even the, not only the kind of ice cream, but the brand of ice cream. And so we get, we get real particular about things, and, and, and the flesh is saying, man, I wish you would take care of me like that. When I get an unction and want to be in the presence of the Lord, I wish he would go out of his way for me like he goes out of his way for graders. If you don't know what graders is, you should. If you don't, I'm sorry. If you ever get to Lane Avenue or get up in Columbus, 
Might I recommend a raspberry chocolate chunk? Chocolate pieces in there as big as your thumb. But we take good care of ourselves. And so our flesh man says, I, I wish he would feed me as much as he feeds his flesh man. I wish he would take care of me the way he does his flesh. Verse 19. So it says here in the NIV, in the, in the King James, it'll say the works of the flesh. But the acts of the flesh are obvious. And now it's going to list a bunch of things that are, that are flesh. Now here's, we understand that we wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. We, we, we wrestle these spiritual things. But now I'm going to show you another area that we do wrestle the flesh, and it's our own flesh. And so what we have to do is we have to realize that, that what I'm about to read to you, you don't even need a devil. You don't need a demon. <laughs> I, I, I was up at the hospital um, up at uh, Riverside a couple days ago and ran into another guy from the church at TCT. I was up there seeing one person. He's up there seeing uh, my friend's mom. And so I was getting ready to leave, so I went with him and went up there and, and visited him with, uh, visited her for a while and prayed with her. And um, I, I told him this. <clears throat> I said, I'm not even sure the devil wastes his time on me. Now, he might, because I have such a battle with my own flesh. I'm not even sure how much spiritual activity he has to bring to me. Now, I might be alone on that. Maybe everybody else has just total dominion and control over yourself at all times. But, man, I battle against myself sometimes. And these things that I'm about to read to you, the devil doesn't even have to show up to have you battle these things. He doesn't have to send a demon. He doesn't have to send some dark angel. He doesn't have to send anything to do this. What I'm about to read to you, you are capable with your, with your humanity, you are capable of doing these all by yourself. Sexual immorality. You don't need a devil for that. That one's a tough one because there's already something built into you called hormones that that, that is supposed to um, cause procreation on the earth. Andy Smith, a number of years ago, uh, he and I were talking, you know, we are sometimes in, in uh, communication and sometimes you're talking to people, helping them work through things. And and he, he says this, and it was pretty pretty powerful, I thought. He said, you know, we have this desire for when we get into our uh, adolescent years and we start to deal with these, these raging hormones. You think it's love, but it's really, really a chaotic hormonal imbalance. Um, but, but there's these desires and things that happen. He said, but you have to learn to say no. Your, your, your body has some uh, attractions but you have to say no. He said, but saying no is really good practice. Because for the rest of your life, even after you get married, you're going to have to say no 
to the other three billion women on the planet. Now, the good news is you can say yes to your wife, and your wife can say yes to her husband, but the saying no all through those years before you were married was really good practice because now, ladies, you have to say no to everybody except your husband the rest of your life, and men, you have to say no to every other woman except your wife the rest of your life. But sexual immorality is a big one because there's already natural desire. You don't have a natural desire to steal a car. You do have a natural desire towards sexuality. And so that's a tough one. And so you have to wrestle with those things and keep those things in check um, so that you can understand that you, that's a walk, that's a work of the flesh, and you have to t- keep that in control. Impurity, your thoughts, right and wrong, all kinds of temptation with that. Impure thoughts, of course, uh, years ago, I don't know where, where my phone is, must be back in the office. Years ago, um, you, you didn't have exposure to it like you do today. Now we carry the movie theaters around with us. Now you're one or two clicks away from whatever you have access to. Please monitor your kids. Please monitor their behaviors. They are being targeted. There are sites that are purposefully in their search engine if you misspell one thing that any kid would look for, and I'm not going to tell you what some of those are. I don't even know what some of them are. All I know is that there's been times as a male that I've looked at certain sites that was either a government site to get help with something, or you get on a, a, a tool site for whatever brand you want to choose, and you miss that spelling by one letter, and you've got images right there. They prey on children and on grown-ups. Because they know that it is addictive. They know that, that, that this is already inside of us. So impurity, debauchery, idolatry, idols. Idols. Well, we don't have idols. Yeah, we don't have idols. We don't have idols in the sense that we don't have something on our mantle that's a tiki god. Eddie probably has not come to your house and carved something out for you with a chainsaw that you could go out back and worship and pay homage to and put candles around it. If so, he's going to tell me after service, so you better repent. So He does some cute bears. He does dogs, he does some cute things, but I don't think anybody's worshiping those. So I think it's safe to say that we don't have idols, nor do we have an idol maker sitting here in the back of the church that plays the drums for us. Oddly enough, though, one of the longest-running shows in America right now is called American. And 
they show up in the audition and they're in normal clothes and as they continue to go through the ranks, you'll notice that they start looking a little different, start dressing a little different, and by the time they win, America has made them a idol. It's interesting to me to watch the traction around Taylor Swift. It's odd to me. It was the Beatles, it was Elvis. There's always these people that have this odd rise to this bizarre top. And then recently on a few posts and things I've seen where she's like doing this witchcraft stuff. I didn't believe it until I saw it myself. The, the, the goat's head and the stuff and singing the songs. and I, I In high school, she dated a kid that went to my buddy's church in Tennessee. In fact, Tears on My Guitar, one of her first songs ever, was because he broke up with her. For years, she was just a country girl with a flowery dress and a guitar. Was. So we have to be careful of idols, whether it's a sport, whether it's a hobby, whether it's anything that you worship. What is worship? We don't, Pastor, you said we don't have any tiki gods. We don't have any, any things that we worship. Well, anything that you give your energy to, anything you give your time, your effort, your energy, your emotions to, is, is getting very close to becoming a god. It could be tennis, it could be fishing, it could be hunting, it could be your bass boat, it could be your RV, it could be, and I have almost all those things at some level, or have had, and have enjoyed those things. It can't be a God, though, so don't ever anybody think, oh, he's coming after me because I, I fish, he's coming after me because I, I boat, or I, I, he's coming after me because, no, I do those things. You just can't spend too much money, emotion, time, energy, and then let it get in front of God. Let it get between you and God. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Again, one that if we're not careful, we would look at it and say, well, nobody here is casting spells. And I know there's people that are into that. I know there's people that, that do that. And, and they're into it hardcore. And I, and I get that. And, and this is a warning against that. But the Bible says that rebellion is, is closely, closely attached to witchcraft. Now, for me, you know my story, so you know, you know how it started to unfold for me. You know about my walnut shelf, but, but you know when my pastor said, uh, let's get some oak cabinets, 
And, uh, and, and my rebellion started with, with, with this, uh, two words, two words. Anybody want to guess what they are? Exactly what it was. I think I have a better idea. I know he said oak, but I think walnut will look better in here. Once he sees it, he'll be glad that I got oak and saved him from himself. Or he'll be glad I got walnut. Now, it wouldn't have been wrong if I said, I think, and then before I went and bought the shelf, say, hey, pastor, one more thing. Before I go and get those, every other piece of furniture in that room is walnut. Are you sure we don't want to get walnut because everything else in there is walnut? But I didn't do that. He said this, and I went to the store. I went to talk to somebody else, and somebody else that was a trustee at the church I said, what do you think about this? He said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. He said, I think. I said, I think. And I learned a very valuable, it was about an $80 lesson, in fact, um, because after I built two shelves, um, he came back in and said, I thought I said oak, because he thought too. The difference is his thinking was better as the authority than my thinking if you look anywhere in Scripture where somebody's in rebellion, I ask you this question. Did they know? Who do you think, who do you, let's have a discussion here. This is good. Who do you think knew they were in rebellion? When was it obvious? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Samuel wasn't there yet. I don't think he thought he was wrong. I don't think people will purposely do something they think is wrong. But they think, I got a better idea. I think he's not here yet, and we need to get this done. Don't they all? To us on the outside. Because I could name Jezebel. I could name Korah. I could name Aaron and Miriam. I mean, I could go on. But do they know? The bleeding of the lands when when the lambs when when Samuel shows up and and the orders were wipe out the Amalekites. Saul comes back and keeps all the good stuff and the king, and Samuel shows up and says, "Saul, what is the bleeding of the the the, the lambs I hear in my ears?" And he said, "Well, the people." Um, thought that we should have their stuff um, and, and every other 
kingdom, when they defeat their king, they hold them captive as a sign that we've defeated them and we parade them through the land. And so that's when, by the way, if you come across a scripture, obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what Samuel's about to say to Saul. But you see, the word of the Lord said this, and Saul thought that not killing him would be a better idea. I contend, and I could be wrong, he could have absolutely known at that moment, but I, I think that everybody in their moment justifies their rebellion and, to, and feels totally like this is the right thing to do. They don't know what they're talking about. In every case, I, that's what I contend. Well, Judas, let's talk about Judas. Glad you brought him up. You have thousands of years of a people waiting for a king. Because they are so sick of being under somebody else's control. I can't wait till the Messiah shows up. I can't wait till he establishes his kingdom. Oh, how glorious that's going to be. When we finally get to these Romans that have kept their foot on our neck. When our king shows up and totally comes in on a white horse and wipes them out. And establishes his throne and his kingdom. That's all we've ever known is kingdoms on this earth. So obviously, God is going to come back. The Messiah will come and establish his kingdom here. And his kingdom did come. But not that way. Do you think Judas would be so stupid for 30 pieces of silver to get Jesus killed? What motive, what reason would he have to set Jesus up, come kiss him on the cheek, have the Roman soldiers take him away and be like, sweet, I made a quick 30 bucks. Unless he felt like I got a good idea. I'm going to be the one to set up the showdown. I've seen my king raise the dead. I've seen my king open blind eyes. I've seen my king unstop deaf ears, heal crooked legs. Whatever thou doest, go and do it quickly. Why was he not crying and weeping the whole way, knowing he was about to betray? Because he didn't think he was going to betray. He thought he was setting something up. If he really did it for 30 pieces of silver and he knew what he was doing, why did he go hang himself? Gives the money back and goes hangs himself. Because it didn't turn out quite the way he thought. I think Jezebel, an obvious one. 
I think she was so sick and tired of every time Elijah opened his mouth, something bad happened in Israel. She kills my, he kills my prophets. I'm about done with this guy. He is on our nerves. You see, you can either have a prophetic voice where you realize that, that God is using that person for a prophetic voice, or you can feel like whatever they say, God seems to honor, so we'll get rid of him. The people of Korah, the followers of Korah, the ones that didn't get swallowed up. Let me back up for just a second. So Jezebel, I believe, felt justified. She didn't, she didn't realize she was really killing or trying to kill a prophet of God. She's just trying to take him out of the picture because Israel, every time the guy opens his mouth, something bad happens. It's because it was God was using him. So let's go back to Korah. You get Korah that's trying to save Moses from himself. You're too busy, Moses. You got a lot going on. Now, the difference is Jethro, which was Moses' father-in-law, he says you need to select leaders and tribes. And he didn't put himself in that position at all. He said you need to get some guys. I got, a, I got an idea. I suggest you get some guys to help you, and they're above tribes and tribes and more tribes, and you could, you could have this. This downline, I think you need to do that to help you with the responsibilities because you're wearing yourself out. And then he steps back after giving that advice. Korah, on the other hand, comes in with an accusation, much like Miriam and Aaron did, Moses' brother and sister. Korah comes in and says, you know, I, I need to help you with some of these responsibilities. You, you, need, you need me. You need my help. Moses says, well, show up with your sensors, show up with your stuff, and we'll see if, if I'm out of line or if you're out of line. Let's just have God take out, who's out whoever's out of line. Korah showed up. He wouldn't have if he knew he was in rebellion. He absolutely showed up. Just as proud, just as ready. Well, Moses, you asked for it. And him and all of his followers, the ground opens up, swallows them up. Read it for yourself. Time goes by, and the people of Israel are mad at Moses. Wait, wait. The, the ground opened up and swallowed people up. Because Korah and Moses showed up to see who God would judge. Seemed like it was obvious what happened. And you're mad at Moses. You see, once you start going that, down that road of rebellion, it, it's hard to get out of it. Because once they became followers of a rebellious guy, he gets swallowed up. That spirit is still there that we were still right. Rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. We always have to be careful that in our, in our minds that this, um, I have an idea. I have a better idea. If it's in the context of going to somebody, whether your boss at work or 
your parent, your young people back there, your parents, your spouse or something, you're going to them. If you do have a better idea and you present it openly to them, that's one thing. But behind the back, I have a better idea against authority. That's, that's where you have to be careful. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. You don't need a devil for that. You can do that on your own. You can dislike somebody so bad. How many of you understand that uh, some people are easier to love than others? Some people are easier to like than others? Um, but when you start getting that hatred and that bitterness uh, starting to happen inside of you, um, you have to you have to reckon with that discord. This is this is kind of like the the witchcraft one because it's so subtle. Um, somebody was telling me recently they went to visit a church and when they walked in they the Lord showed them that there were little tents. And I forget if they said they were different colors or not, but there was little tents in the church. And uh, they went to the pastor afterwards, and the, pa and the pastor asked them, you know, did you feel anything or see anything in the service? And they said, well, I saw tents. I saw little tents, uh, little camps. And they said, do you mind, where I, you mind if I ask you where you saw the tents? And they said, well, what was in this area of the church? And the pastor said, yep, that's about right. It's, 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 it's discord. Yea, these six things doth the Lord hate, and yea, even the seventh is an abomination. And somebody that soweth, soweth discord among the brethren. Sowing discord, it's, it's intentional. You're, you're, you're having conversations, you're talking about things. These are things that are things of the flesh. Now, absolutely, demonic stuff can attach to this stuff. But this stuff is stuff that, that we can do on our way, Why on our own. Why? Because we want our way. It's not uncommon to watch somebody, somebody was talking to me recently. They were trying to help a church, ask me my opinion about some things. And I told him, I said, well, I said, uh, um, you know, Jehu didn't take care of Jezebel. Jehu went to the window and he said, who's on my side? And a couple of people that were on the same level as Jezebel said, we are. And they went over and threw her out of the building. I said, the best thing that pastor can do is to train his leaders that if there's somebody showing discord, that when they come and they start talking, because people that sow, sow discord is conversations. It's it always going to happen with phone calls and texts and conversations and you know, what do you, what do you think about this? That's how it always happens. Instead of going to the source and asking what's going on with this, that they can give you answers, you, what do you think about this? I had one of those conversations one time where somebody sold me at a gun store, and they uh, were talking about their church, and they, they did this first before they asked me their question. They were asking me about another church, the church that they were attending, and they went like this first. I, right there, I was like, here's your sign. Here it comes. How do you feel things are going at our church? And I said, well, you tell me. You attend there. Did this again. And the guy that was with him 
steps closer so they can talk quietly. I let them talk, and he talked. I got in my truck, didn't make it out of the parking lot. I called that pastor. said, watch this man. Here's what he told me at the gun store. He's not loyal to you. Sowing discord. That man is no longer at that church, neither was the guy that was standing there. Discord. Wanting my way. So the, so the eunuchs throw them out of the building. It's funny that they were eunuchs, not just, just anybody, but they, they didn't have an ability to be swayed by her attraction. Sometimes people that sow discord will have an attraction. That they'll have something that, that makes you want to give them credibility with what they've got to say. These guys had no attraction for her. So they threw, threw her out of the, out of the window. So I told this person that was asking me this advice, I said, he needs to train his leaders that it is okay that if somebody comes and it feels like they're trying to sow discord, it is okay to say, hey, I, I think you ought to go right to the pastor with this. Well, I know he's busy. Well, I know, but this is obviously important to you because you're talking to me about it, and I'm not part of the problem. I'm not part of the solution. So, um, you know, you really need to talk to pastor. And even be willing to have those leaders say, I'll go with you. If you want me to, I'll go with you and go talk to pastor. Because you see, if that person really has a problem, and it's a legitimate problem, they'll say, you know what, that's a great idea. I think we'll go talk to the pastor about it. And they'll want to go get it fixed and get it resolved, whether it goes their way or not. They can at least have some type of resolution. But a person that sows discord is just trying to make trouble. And they're not wanting to go get a real answer or go talk to leadership about it. They're, they're wanting to try to get a camp built. And so I told this person this. I said, you need to talk to that pastor and let them know that they need to train their leaders. Because after about the fourth or fifth person that that person goes to to try to get traction with, if that third or fourth person says the same thing, you know what, you really need to talk to the pastor about this. This person has a choice to make. Either I need to get on board with the program of the church and I need to submit to what's going on at the church or they'll go. But they can't be allowed to sow discord and get camps built. Churches are destroyed when people start building camps. Um, jealousy, I'm running out of time here. Jealousy, uh, fits of rage. Now we know that, that God is a jealous God, right? Well then how can we ha not have jealousy? Look, there, there's a certain measure of healthy jealousy. I don't want my wife having a job and spending a lot of time at the water cooler or a lot of time at the coffee pot in the break room laughing and giggling and carrying on with some co-worker dude that she's working with. So I don't allow her to work outside the house. So it's this unhealthy jealousy every time she talks to a male. I'm like, what was that all about? It's I can't, you know, have her. She gets home a few minutes late from the store. Oh, I took you longer than you said. You know, no, I, that's 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 this here. That's just you. You can't have that unhealthy jealousy 
Um, God is a jealous God. We have a certain amount of jealousy. I don't want her to have a relationship with another guy. That's not wrong. That's not what Fitz is talking about. That's this unhealthy jealousy. Fits of rage. Look at your neighbor say, control yourself. Um, rage, rage is this out of control. I, I just, it builds, builds, builds. Um, I saw something the other day that was a, this guy was going through a program where he had been locked up and stuff. So they, they actually made him put a camera on his dash to him, not at the road, but at him. And um, he goes off, starts screaming and yelling, and he just plows through traffic and plowed over some people and went through like a parade route or something and was just screaming and yelling the whole time. Uh, fits of rage. You know, you, you, you got to control yourself. Um, you, you will do more damage um, in your little fit of rage. You will say things that you can't get back. You can cut somebody and they can heal, but there will be a scar. And in, 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 in a fit of rage, you will do things. You'll destroy your own stuff. I've seen people destroy their own stuff. I, I, see, I see people hit things and punch things and destroy their own house or their own door or their own TV set or something. Just like, how stupid are you? You just, you just put your fist through a $500 TV. Congratulations. Fits of rage. Don't blame the devil for that. That's not, that's not a spiritual thing. Now, there can be some influence, but the bottom line is it's a fit of rage. It's a work of the flesh. Control yourself. Take dominion over yourself. Make some decisions. Selfish ambition. Doing your own thing. Following your own thing. Um, dissensions, again, which is, is causing divisions and, and, and argumentative and quarrelsome. And, and somebody says, boy, it's nice. Yeah, but it's supposed to rain tomorrow. And somebody says, well, I like the summer and you like winter. And you, you, just see, you have some of these people that no matter what you say, they're going to say just the opposite. Does anybody here know anybody like that? I know a few, and it just drives you crazy. In fact, sometimes I'll just bait them. I'll, I'll, it, it just becomes a chess match for me, because what I'll do is I'll I'll say uh, I'll, it's 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 like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck when they're saying you know duck season, rabbit season, you know it's like that. And then he switches at the last minute. Um, I, I kind of do that sometimes. I may bait them with you know I'll say I I like summer. And they say well I I like winter. And then and then later on later on in the conversation I'll say man I just I just really like winter. And they'll say well summer is my favorite time, you know. And I'll just watch them just shift just to be difficult. People are crazy, but if you're going to be combative like that, um, first of all, I'm going to play with you a little bit, but um, it is a work of the flesh. Factions, uh, again, this, this has to do, um, again, with, with building camps. Um, now, you will naturally be closer to some people than others. There'll be common interests. There'll be common age. There'll your kids run around together. There'll be things like that that you're common that's not what we're talking about. There's not faction. There's not cliques. But when you're so close that nobody else can get in there, and then this group here is against this group here, and nobody here can get in here, um, 
when I was a youth pastor, I did this before. Mary, you might have even been in the room when I did it before, but I, I did it when I was in Columbus Youth Pastor. I did it when I was helping out here, some in the youth work. But here's a very interesting game, a very interesting psychological game that I played with the young people. Um, I took five, three, four, five kids outside the room and had them go outside the room. And I said, look, everybody get in a circle and, and hold elbows, hold arms, and do not let them get into the circle. And I went outside and I said, hey, guys, they're going to be in a circle in there. You do whatever you have to do to get in the middle of that circle. I said, so this group here, I said, I'm going to send, here, I, I might have missed that a little bit. What I told this group is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send, I'm going to send this person in. And when, and when they come in, don't, don't let them get in the circle. So I'm going to send the first person in and don't let them in the circle. So sure enough, they fight it out and they're all laughing, carry on, and they make it in. All I said was this. I'm going to send another one in. My instructions were I'm going to send this one person in. Don't let them in. My second instruction was I'm going to send the next one in. Can I tell you that when I sent the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, they did the same thing. Here was the object lesson. I told you not to let the first one in. But when you decided to keep somebody out of your circle, anybody else that came along, you did the same thing. It's factions. It's, it's, this is our group. This is our, this is our club. And you're going to have common interests, but you can't be that uh, close. Let's, let's go through the rest of these. Envy, drunkenness. I, I, and again, I believe there's spirits that can influence with some of these. But look, you, you can do this on your, your, your own orgies. This is sexual immorality and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. 